I have hit record. Say something, Schnookums. I won't say that. Something. But I will say something. Hello. Hello. <laughs> well, hello, my kittens. Welcome to House of Heretics. This is the paid subscriber podcast here at Sacred Tension on the Sacred Tension substack. If you're hearing this on the public feed, then this is a free preview. And to get the full thing, go to sacredtension.substack.com and become a paying subscriber to get the whole thing. I promise you, you won't regret it. This is the show where Timothy and I drink coffee and talk about bullshit for your listening pleasure. Timothy, the former Salvation Army officer turned Christian heretic, and myself. Uh, so, you know, I was actually thinking about this earlier today. <clears throat> yeah. As I was, you know, preparing for the show, you told me that Salvation Army people wear uniforms. They do. So, is there a sub category of like uniform kink that involves Salvation Army officers? Like, oh is there a kink or porn subcategory for Salvation Army officers? Because there should be. Not that I am aware of, but I would never rule anything out at the same time. Like, on a, okay, so like on a, on a hookup, has anyone ever asked you to like put on your old uniform? No. <laughs> no. Okay. Like no one on no. Grinder has been like, "Oh, you're a former Salvation Army officer. I w- <laughs> I want to see you in your uniform." That's never no, happened. No, normally they can't get past the thing about I was like, "Oh, you were a pastor for a thrift store?" It's like, "No." <laughs> <laughs> normally that's the way the conversation runs. <laughs> Is it really how the conversation goes? Uh, it's been thrift, years. Thrift store pastor. Oh, well, that's been well because everyone was... thinks that that's what Salvation Army yes. is. They don't. They don't know uh-huh. that it's actually a whole denomination. Yeah. Even our younger members, we have like uh, people who are minors. You can be a what they call a junior soldier at age seven. So from huh. ages seven to fourteen, you can be a junior member and they even have a disgusting uniform that I had to wear. I hated that uniform as a kid. It was uh, a white shirt, navy blue trousers and a uh, god awful red tie. So nice. No, it wasn't. And then I had these (laughs) S's that I uh, wore on my um, on my collar lapels there. So S's. Oh, The letter for S. salvation, okay. yeah, like for salvation, yeah, okay, interesting, yeah, yeah, and of course, um, each country has their own variation on that on the uniform to somewhat gear it towards that culture a little bit. So, uh, in Germany, I couldn't really wear my uniform with SS on it, so <laughs> fair, that's reasonable. That- yeah, <laughs> that makes that, sense. Yes, so uh, they they had the letter H, which is, stood for salvation in German. Huh. The interesting. Heil, Heil in German is 
salvation. Okay. So Heil is quite mm. a famous word in German. So. Sure. sure. <laughs> Interesting. Fascinating. No, I mean, it's, it's so... I've been thinking about this a lot, how so many of us just come from these bizarre, and I don't say bizarre in a derogatory sense, but bizarre as in like unique religious backgrounds, like these little niche religious mm-hmm. backgrounds where you come from this religious background of, you know, where it's all military, um, you know, militaristic language and everyone wears uniforms and, and, uh, pastors or officers and i come from a religious background that was like presbyterian charismatic where demons were everywhere and kind of this culture that was saturated with demon possession and so um yeah it's fascinating but uh, your branch of presbyterianism was also calvinist too was that correct yeah yeah so very bizarre very eclectic Mm -hmm. where so traditionally calvinists are not charismatic and by charismatic i mean embracing the gifts of the spirit like speaking in tongues Mm and all of that stuff Mm -hmm. yeah that's that's very interesting because most Mm -hmm. mm, charismatics for the most part that i mm, uh, know of don't tend to be calvinist a lot of them are are armenian from the wesleyan influence Mm -hmm. um right and that's the branch of uh um um, Salvation Army and the Salvation Army also came from that branch as well. Yep. Um, but uh, the church that I'm with uh, now, the Disciples of Christ, uh, came from a mixture of um, sources. Uh, it started in the United States, but it did have Presbyterian uh, roots as well, which yep. is, I guess, uh, why. Uh, Oh, because the, the, their symbol is the chalice, the chalice used at, um, uh, take when taking communion, mm-hmm. and St. Uh, Saint Andrew's Cross. And St. Andrew's Cross is, of course, the symbol for the uh, for Scotland, so yeah, I guess the, where all the Presbyterians came from. That beautiful <laughs> Celtic-looking cross. Um, so anyway, um, moving along, there has—speaking of— weird religious communities. My own weird religious community has been in the news quite a bit this week. It has been a big news week for the Satanic Temple. And so Helen Lewis did a story in The Atlantic about the Satanic Temple. It dropped on Sunday. And then uh, Fox News reached out to Lucian and did a story in response to the Helen Lewis story in the Atlantic. And then Alex O'Connor, the huge atheist podcaster and YouTuber, did an interview with genetically modified skeptic who is not himself a Satanist, but who is an ally of the Satanic Temple. Did uh, they, they did a long conversation, kind of a not a, kind of an adversarial conversation. Um about the Satanic Temple. So it, it's it been a big week <laughs> for the Satanic Temple in the news. And it's it's been really interesting. It's been... Yeah, okay. go on. The, the, uh, the article is behind a paywall, so I can't exactly read it. But, but, but what is interesting is the they have an animated GIF of the Baphomet crumbling. Crumbling, yeah. So, you know, I... 
full disclosure, I like Helen Lewis. I think she's an excellent writer. She's also a former guest of mine. And so she she came on to Sacred Tension to talk about the new gurus. I think that was like last year or the beginning of this year. I forget exactly when that was. Um, and I, I, so I, I like her writing. I think she's generally an excellent writer. And this article was quite interesting. It, I have some quibbles with it. the The basic idea is that it, it's covering kind of the, the travails in the Satanic Temple over the past summer. Uh, mm-hmm. especially starting in June when Lucian posed for a photograph with David Silverman, who's uh, kind of a persona non grata in a lot of secular atheist spaces. And there was massive blowback and all of all of that stuff. And um, Helen got wind of this and wrote a story about it because she covers in particular um, kind of culture war issues in niche communities like that's an that's a topic that she covers she did a really fantastic uh uh uh, she did a really fantastic story about a similar meltdown in a art institute so so this is this is her beat and so Mm -hmm. this story came across her desk and she pursued it and <clears throat> she sensationalized a bit. Um, I don't blame her for that, but she, so there's, for example, we don't have orgies. There are no, <laughs> the or- orgies are not a thing <laughs> in the satanic temple. Um, what individual members do on their own time, that's, that's fine. I don't care. None of us care. It, um, I have never been invited to an orgy in the Satanic Temple, and I have been a member and very involved since 2017. So, you know, so, so there was much hay made about orgies. The organizational structure that is alluded to in the article is about four years defunct. <laughs> it's about four years out of date. There is no national or international council. Um where it used to be that TST was run by a the National Council, and then when TST went more international, it became the International Council, and it was basically the governing body. That is not the case anymore. It the the structure has completely transformed since two thousand or since twenty twenty one. Um, things like that, you know. But all in all, it's an interesting piece. It's worth reading. And another thing that I that I have to say is it I think it it downplayed the religious element as well. Mm-hmm. And of course the religious aspect of TST is what I'm thinking about 24/7, so it always annoys me when the religious aspect is not as is not emphasized where you know, all satanic ministry, which is the part of TST where I work, it's the body of ministers. That whole part of of TST is is explicitly religious. I mean, it, you what what was the gist of the article though? 
So the you, gist, you, you, the, you, you've stated exactly what it gets wrong, but what, what yeah, was she trying so, to say? So it was basically an investigation into the into the internecine or not internecine, but in in the uh, uh, internal infighting mm. over the vision of the satanic temple. What is the temple? And so when Lucian posed for that photograph with someone who was accused of transphobia, people were very upset, demanded resignations. Yeah, Fred says so much infighting. Um, There were demands for resignation. There were demands that he stepped down. There were demands that he apologized. There were demands that he make a statement just on and on and on and on and on. And what she pointed to that I thought was really helpful was this is not unique to TST. Progressive organizations are going through a bit of a tumultuous period right now because they there are demands that they expand the scope of their mission in such a way that it really hinders their ability to do what they need to do well. So, for example, um, Planned Parenthood can't just be about women's issues. It also has to be about race. It also has to be about climate. It also has to be about... And, and, and that infighting, that battle over the mission of progressive organizations, what is and is not the mission of progressive organizations, it actually stymies... That organization's ability to to affect change. You know, there is this fantastic article by Ryan Grimm in The Intercept that came out a year or two ago. And he investigated it's called The Elephant in the Zoom. And <laughs> what he <laughs> Good title. what he investigated was how some of the flagship progressive nonprofits have been completely stalled during this period of crucial where 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 action is crucial i mean activism action on climate action on women's issues action on lgbt issues is crucial because of encroaching theocracy because of um you know the the state of the climate the climate science and they have been stalled and unable to be as effective as they could be on their particular topics because internally there are these meltdowns over identity, over race, over sensitivities, over um, and especially over what is the mission and what is the scope of this organization. And... Mm. Um, my own philosophy is that a progressive organization should be narrow in scope and broad in coalition. And that in, that in my mind is the formula. An organization, because, you know, TST cannot be Superman. TST cannot be all things to all people. It, it, it has to be very narrow in scope if it's going to be effective because its resources are so small. 
And so that that's part of what she got at she she talked to a lot of the she she talked to a lot of the critics of TST who object to its leadership, who object to the way it does things. And what I found really, really interesting was how every, she she kind of she made this observation that everyone believes that they are walking in the footsteps of the romantic Satan in on on all sides of this fight where, you know, to the critics of TST, they are standing up to the arbitrary authority of TST leadership Mm -hmm. to a lot of people within TST. They are, you know, they, they see themselves as also standing up to, to arbitrary authority. So there's this interesting observation that everyone, everyone believes that they are, that they are being satanic. Everyone believes that they are they are walking in the in the footsteps of the figure of Satan and uh, combating arbitrary authority. That was interesting. There were parts that were that that to be honest, the article was mortifying. It was mortifying to have the eye of the Atlantic, the eye of Sauron, the eye of the Atlantic um really hone in on this tiny religious community um and it was it was mortifying because it it just brought like the infighting and the less flattering parts of this community to the fore that does not feel good. Um, that is not pleasant. But the thing is, this whole thing went down publicly, and the the conflict, the these conflicts all happened publicly on Twitter, and we don't own that story anymore. The Satanic Temple and the Satanic community does not own that story anymore because we fucking did this. In public, anyone mm-hmm. anyone with an internet connection could write about it. Any fucking anyone with an internet connection could watch this thing go down and then write a story about it. And so, I I think that's what's so mortifying to me about it <laughs> is, um, and I know that right now I am contributing to that by talking about it publicly but it's like well it's in the atlantic now you know we might as well discuss it um and that was that was a bit mortifying and it's i think that's an important wake-up call because whenever any of us whenever we are messy online we are messy in front of literally anyone with an internet connection Mm -hmm. anyone can see that anyone can can if anyone wants to make fun of this community or mock this community or ridicule or debunk or criticize or dox.